This podcast series is supported by members at Patreon. If you want to support this podcast series, head to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. When you have a vision for your business in mind, sometimes you just have to start before all the pieces are in place. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron and I'm a Cascadian. I have a background in radio and television broadcasting. I'm a music producer and I have a passion for beer. I don't consider myself an expert in beer by any means, but I do enjoy and respect the craft and the passion of the people in the craft beer industry. I want to learn from these pioneers and what sets them apart from the rest and why they choose to call Cascadia their home. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to share your favorite episodes. You can also visit the website at cascadian.beer. Today, I'm on Whidbey Island. A new taproom opened its doors just over a year ago, but they have a vision in mind to ultimately become a brewery. I went down to Coopville, Washington to speak with Penn Cove Brewing Company. Mitch Aparicio. I'm in sales and marketing and part owner of the taproom. Yeah, I'm Mark Aparicio and uh, uh, run mostly operations and... Uh, New product development, things like that for the tap room. And where are we? We're in Coopville, Washington on Whidbey Island. On Whidbey Island. In and uh, the San Juan Islands of Washington State. And why did you guys decide to open here? So we both grew up here. We graduated in the 80s. And so we kind of, uh, it's kind of a coming home back to the community and uh, raising our families here, basically. So where did you, you said you come, you came back to the community. Where did, where did you guys go? Oh, well, we both went off to school in Western and UW, and Mark was in the military and the Coast Guard. I worked for the technology groups like uh, AT&T and those type of companies for the last 20 years. I'm still doing that. Yeah, so I graduated in the late 80s as well and went off to uh, University of Washington, joined the military, and uh, I was gone for 26 years. And uh, when I came back, uh, Mitch and I uh, just started putting our heads together and said, hey, this would be a fun idea to do in our hometown. So we, we just liked the community aspect of it. And we have a lot of friends there still in, in the community. So we thought it'd be a, a good fit. So which one of you is the bigger beer geek? Or is it equally? Smart? Definitely Mark. <laughs> Probably me. Yeah. So I, while I was in the military, I started homebrewing uh, back in the early 90s. Actually, in Port Angeles, Washington, there is when I first had my first homebrew on New Year's Eve, let's see, I think in 95 or so, and uh, just fell in love with it. Me and my buddy uh, just started brewing like crazy, and uh, we got into all grain pretty quickly. Just so happened that he and I both uh, got orders to North Carolina, and then uh, after that, we both got orders to uh, Puerto Rico. By the time we got into Puerto Rico, we literally had you know a big commercial fridge in my garage with a couple taps. In Puerto Rico, you can imagine hard to get uh, uh, ingredients out there. So it was back then. It's easy now from what I heard. But uh, we would drive all the way to San Juan, which is about a two and a half hour drive from our uh, base. And we would load up. There's a local San Juan brewery there. Load up on all the, all kinds of stuff that they had. And we would order stuff from uh, uh, northern brewers. I had my sunroom there that had 
there's so much ingredients that uh, I could just walk in there and we could just pick whatever we wanted to do and roof of the day. But uh, I used to have this fridge in the garage and down there I was on a base. So the garage, there was no lock and guys would just come in and open up the garage, you know, put money in a hat and uh, pour themselves a beer when, when I was gone. The best honesty box bar ever. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know, made a little money on the deal. So, cause uh, people love, love the beer. We, and I, when I was in Puerto Rico, I started getting into uh, lagers and things like that. So, cause it was uh, beautiful weather and, a nice, crisp, refreshing lager was kind of fun. So we, we brewed pretty much, I mean, literally almost everything. You know, we started getting into Belgians and uh, we love IPAs, but trying to get the lagers just just right were, were pretty fun. We ended up brewing this one called a, uh, a Chupacabra, and uh, it, it was a really good uh, high malt, you know, real malty uh, lager. Uh, it was perfect down there in Puerto Rico. But uh, then when I moved, moved back to the States, I, I just kind of haven't been brewing, but i uh, my last tour was the, the uh, in California, the Naval Postgraduate School, and and here uh, I really got into the California craft beer uh, scene. Lagunitas, you know, uh, Bear Republic, Stone, a couple guys here, Alvarado, uh, Blind Pig, Peter Bees, you know, all the, all these guys down here, and I I got involved in the the homebrew club, and in Monterey we had uh, over two hundred members, and uh, these bigger breweries would come in and, and basically sponsor us to have homebrew events. And we would have, you know, three, 400 people there with like 35 different homebrews, you know, giving money off to nonprofit organizations and things like this. So it was a pretty big, pretty big deal. And when I moved back to Woodby Island, I was really, really, really involved in the beer industry. And Mitch and I sat down and said, yeah, let's, let's, uh, make that happen here. So, uh, so we did and turned out great. What was your initial response, Mitch? Well, I, I liked the idea that it's a family business and something that Mark was passionate about. And I felt like the sales and marketing aspect of just the branding and, and that type of thing, I could definitely help with that. So it was more convincing my wife that, <laughs> that we wanted to do it. But the first year, man, I've learned a ton and, you know, with Mark and Tammy, my wife, you know, just helping you know, it's our first business. It's uh, our first crack at, uh, you know, trying to, to, you know, you want to do something for everybody in the community. And a lot of times you can't do everything. But yeah, I just thought that just the idea that we we're bringing something back to where we were raised and kind of uh, embracing the community that way and trying to give back but still do something that we like doing. So, so from the initial idea to opening your doors, how long was that process? I I don't know. Was it like six months or so that we started talking about it? And next thing I know, we were talking for, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And he had talked to the landlord and next thing I know, he sends me a, a text message with a picture of him and a guy with the sledgehammers and they're like starting to tear the walls and down. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I guess we're in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we did like mid midnight construction and, you know, we just busted our butts for a good two or three months to, to open our doors. And really the goal was to open it during a, a particular festival for a muscle festival that they have here annually. I don't know. It's like 25 years they've been doing it. So we wanted to, to kind of embrace that and everything. And, and I think the, the idea of being in Coopville, you know, we looked at some other locations on Whidbey Island, but we just figured that, our vision was more bringing it back to where we were grown up, you know, where we grew up. So Coopville was definitely the spot we wanted to do it. And, th- and that does seem very important because you've mentioned that a number of times now. Do you think you would have been able to do this anywhere else or would it just not have had that same uh, focus that you have here? Well, I think that it could be done in other places. And that's kind of, you know, the bigger picture, which we can go into kind of the, the vision. 
ultimately the the idea would be have a branding where we could open the similar tap rooms and basically feeder tap rooms to sell our beer, branded beer. And so that's how we would grow. Yeah, I think having it in Coopville is important. And so what were the uh, initial beers that you set out to make? Because you mentioned a lot of styles that you were making when you were serving. What was the core lineup that you wanted to make uh, out of the gate? We wanted to brew beer at the initial, uh, you know, initial step, but we thought that, uh, you know, starting a small tap room initially and focusing on local, local Washington beers was, was probably a good, a good way first get our foot in the door in the beer industry. And like you guys were just talking briefly, you know, I thought this idea happens all over the nation. I've been all over and, and you can see small tap rooms like this, but I think for Mitch and I, it was uh, a positive experience to be in our hometown. So, I mean, you know, you ask the question, could this happen everywhere else? Of course it could, you know, but but for us, I think having that support, especially for our first business, was crucial. So if I recommended to anyone to starting something like this, you know, having that initial support, I mean, our, our customer base is great and we love, you know, love the people who keep returning and we love the tourists as well. But having that is, is fantastic. But as far as the beers we want to make, you know, I, I wanted to start slow because our vision really is, and honestly, it's it's really more for the community because you know we love coopville we love we love uh taking care of you know bringing in jobs bringing in things for the community uh nonprofits and things like this so we thought initially we can start with just bringing in uh washington beers and showcasing small breweries so by basically collaborating with them and helping them grow and then getting a feel of what we wanted to do but of course i don't know about of course but i'm a big ipa guy you know i love I love ipa so the the minute we had the opportunity, and I don't know if you've seen our board, but we do collaborate with uh, Bastion Brewery up in Anacortes. And Joe came to me and said, "Hey, what you know? What could we brew for you?" And and I said, "The Northwest IPA. I mean, that's that's what that's what people love, and that's what people will drink, and that's what we want." And and we got together and, and we brewed an amazing beer. I think it's uh it's it's actually my favorite IPA now, and I'm I love IPA. So and then next we wanted to like look at something for the winter. I don't know. Porters are, are kind of uh, uh, not obsolete, but you know, not very. You know, a lot of people aren't out there. But I, I, I used to brew a uh, a nutmeg porter that I, I won uh, second place one year in a competition. So we were. I was thinking about bringing that up next for the winter, and then uh, I don't know. Just my idea, and you know, Mitch and I talked about this too. Is you know, we really love supporting our our local small breweries like Bastion. We love Crucible. We love North Sound. We love flyers and and uh farm strong and all these guys so my vision would be maybe we only brew maybe three four beers and then continue showcasing their beers and then maybe they'll showcase ours so that's kind of you know our vision a collaboration community you know all that stuff is, is kind of what our vision is and i think that that's a great focus too being the location that you are because you're on along the main highway where it connects out to the peninsula as well as the mainland and what what a better place for somebody to stop and have lunch and see beers from other regions that they might be traveling to exactly yeah we love the location from here then like there's there's no brewing on site correct right. so do you want to expand and brew on site yeah so that's that's part of the three to five year plan is to actually have a brewing facility in the city limits so 
you know, we've got a few different options that we're looking at, you know, for uh, possibilities, but, uh, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, we've gained a lot of community support with other businesses in the area. You know, we lasted this one year and I think we came out of the other end positively. And so, yeah, we're, we're getting all our ducks in a row for the next year to, to see how things would go. But that's, that's ultimately the plan is to, to brew on site. What would be a comfortable size for you to start with? One of the reasons we're, we're really not brewing yet is because, like Mitch said, you know, we're trying to get our ducks in a row. We, I've, I've done a ton of research in the beer industry. I have a lot of friends that own their own breweries, and and the and you know we want we want to get to a point where we can actually afford to maintain the brewery. And I think you've seen that in the beer industry. You know, if we start too small, the demand might pick up too much, and next thing you know, we're brewing every second of the day. But if we go way too big, and then we don't have the demand then we'll be paying off equipment that we don't, you know, that we're not using or we're not reaching the full capacity. So we've kind of come up to the to the number of, you know, maybe a seven barrel system. I think seven to 10 barrel. And I think any article you read in the beer industry, that that seems about right. If, if you're lower than seven, then you can't really, you know, afford a, a full-time brewer. I mean, I know how to brew, but I mean, you know, I, I would love to have a brewing job. <laughs> you can see right now I'm I'm, I'm working. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, being able to hire a full-time brewer, you know, somebody with, that has the UC Davis or Siebel experience, and then also being able to uh, meet the demand to be able to pay what it would cost to have that type of equipment, you know? So I, so I think we're, we're just kind of waiting for that. And the second thing is, you know, it's great. Mitch and I are very fortunate that we were able to just, you know, I retired from the military and, and between the two of us, we were able to start this tap room. Not a lot of people have money in their bank to, to, to do something like that, you know, but, but we're paying ourselves back to be able to uh, go to the next step. I mean, we're talking, if we do the numbers right and do it seven to 10 barrel system, then we want to be able to have investors or, you know, somebody else that wants to share the risk with us, you know, versus us, you know, uh, uh, taking all the risk. So that's, that's kind of where we're balancing. And, and we have potential investors already. We have potential locations already. We're just trying to mold the the, the perfect uh, the perfect grand slam. You know what I mean? So because because we we love it, we have no intentions of closing. We just have full intentions of growing. That's that's kind of we're taking our, our 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 sweet time until the right time comes. That's pretty much what it is. So how has the community responded to you guys? Have you guys been surprised with the turnout, or has it been very slow and gradual? Like what what's been the community's reaction to you opening? Well, I think. Having opened last year, it started off slow and gradually, uh, but it really was helped by the social media and people like searching Google and the Facebook. And and so we had a lot of uh, positive. I think we went from uh, the first week we had like 12 likes to like 500 likes within the first few weeks just because of the muscle fest and, and all the buzz that we created. But, uh, you know, we really focus on the locals and, and try to create like membership programs and different type of uh, clubs, you know, to keep the keep the locals coming back. Have you been surprised by a, a local's uh, request for a, a particular beer, like in terms of a style? I think the locals that we have that come in on a regular basis appreciate the fact that they change so often. So, you, I mean, you literally can come in here. There might be one or two, like the Madrona way for sure is always on. But, uh, you know, there's... More times than not, you're not going to see the same beer on there two weeks in a row. So they like the idea of the variety that we bring in. And I mean, we, I think we have the best variety. Yeah, I think we certainly have the best variety on, on the island, in my opinion. But uh, 
you know, Mitch, that's, that's great. You know, Mitch is the social media computer guy. I, I suck at it. So he goes <laughs> right to the likes and stuff. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but as, as far as I'm concerned with the uh, community, I mean, you know, I'm a aeronautical engineer and Mitch is an it guy. Neither one of us know anything about running a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so when we, when we opened, I think, you know, we were extremely surprised about how the tourists came in during Muscle Fest and, and uh, really supported us initially with the, the novelty of opening. But I think our problem was, we, I don't think we were ready for them. So when, when we started, you know, we had a great weekend, but we ended up closing for like a week, just kind of sitting down and taking a breath. <laughs> the, the, the joke with our employees is that right before we opened, Mitch and I grabbed them all and threw them under the bus, you know. And, uh, uh, but then, you know, we eventually, you know, the summer, you know, we kind of got our ducks in a row and, and the summer did pretty well for us. And like Mitch said, you know, we had a ton of, ton of likes and ton of, uh, support. And last summer was more revenue than we anticipated, but we, what we didn't anticipate was the winters and, and you know, up in, uh, Whidbey Island, I don't know what happens is like the ferry stopped going or so. I don't know <laughs> what <laughs> come, come November. You know, it's, we got like four or five guys sitting at the bar <laughs> for about four months. So, so we're well prepared for this winter, but last winter it was kind of interesting. But the, the peaks and valleys are super extreme when you're in a tourist area, like up in the Northwest, especially with the weather. So something we had to balance. And then uh, the food, you know, you talked about what do the customers want? We typically try to bring on beer that they request, but sometimes, you know, we don't want to you know, ruin our vision of having like really amazing craft beer and, and local. And sometimes we bring in things that are very popular. Like we brought in some dogfish, we brought in some Chimay, other good stuff that isn't from Washington. But uh, I think the the biggest headache that we've had was trying to fit in in our community with the food. And it, I'm sure you're, you're in the beer industry doing these podcasts. And I bet you everybody says the same thing I'm saying is the food is the biggest pain in the neck. And, but it's, it's like the necessary evil though. I mean, we, we love being able to serve food, but, uh, it, it takes up so much time and, and money, you know what I mean? And, and if you, I don't know if you've been in Coopville there, Aaron, but, uh, we have some really good restaurants there. So the last thing Mitch and I want to do is compete against these good restaurants, you know? So we're, we're still trying to figure out where we fit in food wise. I think that that's kind of the biggest, the biggest issue. And everybody gives us their input, but you know, what's best for us, for our, for our numbers, and what's best to complement the beer, and what's best, you know, uh, where do we fit in the community? So that's kind of what we've been doing. So if somebody was wanting to go down the same path that you guys have had, what would be some advice that you'd give them? Well, my advice is absolutely no food. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I would, if, if you have the funding, you know, I would go, and, and, and your goal is to, to brew, then, you know, if you can go to a seven to 10 barrel system, assuming you've done market research and everything, Mitch and I think that this is a prime location for a, a brewery. And I, I know it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in a sense, but if you look at it, you know, we have access to I mean, 90,000 people on the island, close to Everett, close to Seattle. Uh, once we start producing and also we're in an agricultural area, we know all the farmers. I mean, really, they're all friends of ours that went to high school with us. So literally, if, if we can collaborate with those guys and bring in some local ingredients and things like that, it's just a, an absolute win-win thing. But, uh, yeah, if somebody's going to start up, I mean, I would stick with the beer initially and maybe small snacks and things like that and then and then slowly grow to the brewery. But but you know, I I do actually have a friend down here where I am right now and and he's holding off for the brewery, but he's been holding off for 3 years. 
So if you're going to hold off that long, you might as well start a small tap room and start bringing in some revenue. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get your foot so in the door. Yeah. Start, get your foot in the door. Spread the brand and awareness. And- yeah. So, uh, but that's, that's what I recommend. I don't know about you, Mitch. Mitch is more in the, you know, people side and social media and all that stuff. But uh, from the number side, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. I, I just think the, from a, a marketing perspective, the brand awareness is important. Building the story, building the vision, trying to like keep people up to date, even though things may not necessarily change on a day-to-day basis. The people out there kind of want that, you know, daily update about whatever it is. So we're trying to balance the time it takes to, to do all the different social medias and stuff like that. But we, we kind of were like hedging on, okay, let's, we've got to do the website, got to do the website. And then all of a sudden one weekend, you know, we went in, Mark went into the, the website thing and we cranked out a website in a weekend and next thing you know, we're live. So, you know, there's probably some things that we could tweak a little bit, you know, with our, uh, we have free Wi-Fi. We subscribe to the, uh, you know, the cable channels for all of the NFL games and, and, uh, pay the licensing fees for, you know, having live music. And I think that's another big draw that we, it's kind of like other areas we're doing live music you periodically, but it wasn't like a regular thing bringing different bands. And so that's kind of one thing that we really tried to stick with is we did way too much at first. We spent a ton of money the first year on entertainment. So we've scaled it back considerably where we just do Fridays and Saturdays and special events. The other thing is, I think, just having a plan for the expansion. You know, we're, we're pretty much limited to the size and what we can crank out in a particular day. But part of the taproom and kind of expansion and building that nest egg so we can get to that next level is doing like community events and like beer gardens and so that we have this rocking on a Friday night and we have a wedding or we have a festival or we have, you know, some other thing where we're bringing in additional revenue that I think would just something for them to think about. Yeah. Washington, Washington gives, has some weird rules about uh, us serving alcohol away from our establishment. Uh, I know in California, there's different rules uh, where I was before, but we, we ended up getting a catering license and it actually worked out well for us because we want to support nonprofit organizations and things like that. So we can, we can go out to festivals and, and serve, you know, Pen Cove taproom beer or and then support our other local breweries and have their beers on tap too and stuff like that. And like Mitch said, it's an advantage to have, you know, be down front street serving stuff at a festival while we're serving stuff here at the taproom. And it's it's been helpful helping the community and also helping our bottom line. All right. Well, thank you so much, both of you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you so much to Mitch and Mark for their time. Really appreciate it, especially because Mark was in California working his day job and uh, joined us on FaceTime. So uh, great for the two of them to coordinate schedules with me and uh, we can make the interview possible at the Tap Room in Coopville. And it's a great location. You got to go check it out. Uh, As we were talking about, it's on the main highway. So even if you're just passing through, stop in for lunch. It's great. And there's great beers on tap or, you know, you can check out Whidbey Island for itself. Like there's great destinations out there uh, from the Olympic Peninsula to uh, Deception Pass. There's great things to explore on Whidbey Island. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cascadian Beer Podcast. We're uh, made possible from our backers on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. Big news. There's now a new backers category where you can get stickers. Yes, stickers of our great logo that was designed by a good friend of mine, Laura Murphy. So if you want a Cascadian Beer Podcast sticker, just go to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer and click to support this podcast series at the correct backer level. 
If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Cascadian Beer. We're on Instagram at Cascadian Beer Podcast and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. And you can always visit the website as well, cascadian.beer. If you enjoyed this episode and any other previous episodes of the podcast, please feel free to share with your friends. We can't do it without you. Thank you so much again for listening. Glad to have you here. And until next time, remember, support your local.